Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Enu Safo. Coming up over the next 90 minutes. The policeman misconducted himself. He had the good heart to receive our policeman. We, the police administration, headed by the Inspector General of Police, will find the chief and all the soldiers who were here that helped to rescue the situation. The police high command apologizes to the chief of Lamashego and the people there in Tamale over the disturbances from the weekend. Meanwhile, two police officers involved in the shooting incident at the palace of the Lamashegu chief have been remanded after making an appearance in court today. Also coming up, NDC MPs append signature to a motion that is seeking to remove Kwekwajiman Menu as Minister for Health over the Sputnik V fiasco. And later on Eyewitness News. The association considers this statement of Honorable Sosu as deliberate and calculated to create disaffection against the judiciary and an attempt to scandalize the judiciary and judges. It's an attempt to intimidate judges and considers it very unprofessional and an unprovoked attack on the judiciary. The Association of Magistrates and Judges, which is on a warpath with Medina MP Francis Xavier Sosu, who had said some judges are influenced by partisan politics. Still with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... The Ghana Revenue Authority announces plans to begin taxing electronic commerce and online businesses from April 1, 2022. Nettie Neti will be back in 15 minutes with the latest on the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations, including Beach FM in Western Region. Uh, specifically in Takradi via 105.5 and uh, in the Bono region on Storm FM 101.9 in Sunyan in the Ashanti region on Focus 94.3 in Kumasi and in the Volta region on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajevu in the Northern region on Radio Bimbila 91.9 FM in Bimbila in the Upper East region on Tanga Radio 93.7 in Bolgatanga and in the Upper West region on Tunsung 97.3 FM in Wa. The show is interactive. Do join us on all the platforms, social media that is on Telegram and on WhatsApp. You can send us a message using 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996. You can send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda with a U or tweet at City973. But the common denominator is that you have hashtag City Newsroom in your tweet. Let's settle for details of our stories. Now, you remember Sputnik V and that fiasco? Well, it was Ghana's failed attempt to procure vaccines against COVID-19. That has put the Minister for Health, Kwekwa Jemameno, in trouble at the time. But that trouble seemed to have been over. But it appears the minority side in Parliament is not forgetting and is actually looking obeying for blood. Eno, please give us our story. So the minority in Parliament has commenced a vote of censure procedure against the Minister for Health, Kwekwajima Menu, over the Sputnik V acquisition fiasco. 
The memorandum signed by the minority chief whip and forwarded to the Speaker's office stated about six grounds for which they want the minister removed from office. Procurement breaches, lack of parliamentary approval for the procurement, inflated price and perjury are some of the grounds stated. The memorandum is supported by 137 MPs. If the motion is admitted, a full-blown debate on the issues will take place in Parliament. Uh, here's ranking member on the health committee, Kwabinamenta Kando, reacting to the motion. All this while, we have been of the strong conviction that the president, His Excellency Nana Adedanko Akufuado, would have done the needful. Um, from all indications, um, it, it looks as though the president hasn't heard anything and he hasn't seen anything. And therefore, we as members of parliament, especially on the minority side, um, by Article 82, will come by a motion. In fact, we filed a motion and we've gotten the required signatories to, have, uh, to pass a vote of censure so that probably um, the, the minister will be asked to stay away from the ministry because we find him incompetent. I mean, serious, serious indictments were leveled against him per the report, and some of which includes the fact that the transaction between the state and Ahmed al-Maktoum was of international nature, and he ought to have come to parliament for prior approval. It is clearly captured in the report. Again, um, the procurement of Sputnik V, um, he was also supposed to have the prior approval of the board of the Public Procurement Act. He didn't do so, contrary to um, sections 40 and 41, he didn't do so. As you also remember, those of you who followed the committee, the ad hoc committee, it was also established that the expiry price of the vaccine was less than $10, and the state had to buy it at $19 per dose. That was a dishonesty. Again, he appeared before the Parliamentary Select Committee on Health before entering into such an agreement. At the said meeting, he made it clear to the committee that the budget for the, the, the Sputnik V was $10 per dose. And so, again, under oath, he told the committee that no payment whatsoever was made. After the investigation, it was found out that about $2.850 million, which is presently around 8 to 9 million Ghana cities, has been paid to um, Ahmed al Maktoum. Clearly, he lied under, under, under oath, which for me is perjury. And therefore, the reason why we have filed a motion to pass vote of censor. Kwabinamenta Kando is the ranking member on the Health Committee. Now, Deputy Majority Leader Alexander Fenyamarkin is accusing the minority of bad faith with its motion for a vote of censure on the Minister of Health, Kwekwajimai Menu. The House, after months of delay, finally adopted the report of the ad hoc committee set up to probe the botched Sputnik V deal. This outstanding report, which was moved on the 6th of August 2021 by my good self. And uh, I'm referring to the Sputnik report, which was debated and 
for some reason we couldn't reach consensus on adopting the report we are happy that today our colleagues on the other side have agreed with us that we need to move on as a country and that the report by itself because it was on consensus we need to move on so that's Alexander Afenyo Markins, he's a FUTU member of parliament. We'll be hearing more from him, uh, but let's give you a quick recall of uh, what this Sputnik V issue is. If you go to citynewsroom.com and look at our archives of August 9, 2021, a story by Jonas Nyabo is titled, Eight Key Points from Parliamentary Committee's Report on Sputnik V Procurement Deal. Let me read that story for you. And it says, after over three weeks of work, the nine-member ad hoc committee constituted by parliament to investigate circumstances surrounding the botched Sputnik V vaccine procurement deal submitted its report to the House on Friday, August 6, 2021. The committee in its work engaged with the Minister of Health, Kwekwajima Menu, officials from the Bank of Ghana, and the Ministry of Finance, among others. A 29-page report produced by the committee came out with a number of findings and recommendations, key among them being 1. Health Ministry did not receive cabinet approval for the deal. 2. Health Ministry breached the constitution by not seeking parliamentary approval for the agreement with the private office of His Highness Sheikh Ahmed Dalmuk Al Maktoum. 3. Health Ministry did not seek approval from the board of PPA before signing the agreements. 4. PPA has not concluded its investigations into the matter. 5. Health Ministry used middlemen, that is Office of His Highness Al Maktoum and SL Global, for the purchase and distribution of the vaccine. 6. Health Ministry agreed at $19 per dose with Al Maktoum, although ex-factory price of the vaccine was at $10. Ghana, that's number 7, Ghana paid $2.85 million, that is 60 million cities, 50% of total cost in advance to Mercedes Al Maktoum, although the minister said he had no knowledge of such. Number eight, Minister for Finance, Ken Ofriata, asked to take steps to recover $2.85 million already paid to Sheikh Al Maktoum. Now, the controversies that arose, the debate or a debate on the report ended without a decision to adopt or reject it. The minority in parliament called on President Akufado to immediately dismiss the Minister for Health, Kwekwa Jumamenu, saying he is not fit to be in office. They argued that he violated the 1992 constitution and his oath of office by trying to procure vaccines through middlemen without recourse to parliament or cabinet. Quote, it is beyond any reasonable doubt that the minister betrayed his office or oath of office and for that matter, and he also failed to uphold the constitution and the laws of our country. I must say that the minister should be sanctioned. He must be removed by the president. He is not fit to occupy the office of a minister of state and must therefore be removed from office henceforth, failing which this house must pass a vote of censure on the minister, unquote. And this was a statement made by the minority chief with Muntaka, Mohammed Mubarak. They also argued or they also took the minister on over his claim that, that no payment was made in the deal when the committee's findings pointed to the fact that money was actually paid. But the majority leader, Oseche Mensabos, while addressing the press, said the minister's use of the caveat to the best of his knowledge, he was not aware of any payment, absolved him of any offence of lying under oath. Now, the committee was bipartisan and as such had representatives from each side of parliament. The members are 
Akachi South MP Bernard Ahiafo, Jaboso MP Kwabna Minta Kando, Asante Achim Central MP Kwami Enyimedu Entry, Ashaiman MP Ernest Nogbe, Techiman North MP Elizabeth Ofosuejari, Efidwasi Asokori MP Dr. Iwe Friye, Yendi MP Farouk Aliu Mahama and Ablekuma North MP Sheila Batels. It was chaired by Deputy Majority Leader and MP5 Efutu Alexander Fenyomakin with him Akando as his Vice Chairman. So that is just to give you a quick um, um, journey on memory lane in relation to this particular story on how exactly it developed. So this was what happened in August 2021. Today, there's a new motion or a memorandum before the House seeking to remove the Minister for Health. Sixus Donulo has been studying that memorandum, joins us in studio. Sixus, who is this from and uh, who is it going to and what are they asking for? This is signed by um, Minority Chief Whip Mohammed Mubarak Montaka, addressed to Speaker Bagwing, dated 16 February 2021. And the subject is motion for vote of censure. Six reasons have been given and uh, the, the, the reasons I will say them as they have written them here. The first one is that he undertook international business or economic transaction and that i.e. procurement and supply of vaccines as Minister of Health with the private office of His Highness Sheikh Ahmed Dalmuk Al Maktoum without pri prior approval of Parliament contrary to Article 181 of the Constitution of the Republic of Ghana. Second reason, signing procurement agreement with the private office of His Highness Sheikh Ahmed Dalmuk Al Maktoum and SL Global Limited without prior approval of the Board of the Public Procurement Authority under sections 40 and 41 of the Public Procurement Act 2003, Act 663, as amended by Act 914 which constitutes criminal offence under the law. Reason 3. Dishonest procurement of Sputnik V vaccines from the private office of His Highness Sheikh Al Maktoum and SL Global at the cost of $19 and $18.5 respectively when the ex-factory price of the Sputnik V vaccine generally announced was $10 confirmed by the minister to the committee responsible for health. Reason number four, knowingly procuring Sputnik V vaccine from private office of His Highness Al Maktoum and SL Global Limited at the cost of $19 and $18.5 respectively per dose, informs the committee responsible for health that the ex-factory price of the Sputnik V does not exceed $10 per dose. And the fifth reason causing payment in the sum of 2.85 million US dollars, CD equivalent of 16.33 million CDs to the private office of His Highness um, Sheikh Al Maktoum under void agreement with the private office of His Highness um, Sheikh Al Maktoum, yet faked and misrepresented to the ad hoc committee on oath that no payment was made under the agreement to the private office of Sheikh Al Maktoum, thereby committing a crime to, to wait perjury. The final reason they have cited the above conduct being in direct breach of the Constitution and laws passed by this Honorable House, the Minister of Health be removed from office 
as minister by a vote of censure passed in accordance with Article 82 of the Constitution. So actually, five reasons, then concluding with the the, the, the prayer to the, the House through the Speaker of Parliament. And this is hinged on Article 82 of the constitution so that is um, what they are describing as a vote of censure and i believe the constitution would elaborate further on what should happen what does the constitution say about this request by the minority what is the procedure like what steps do they need to take so if you go to the article 82 as referenced here um one says parliament may by a resolution supported by the votes of not less than two-thirds of all members of parliament pass a vote of censure on a minister of state. Note that it's two-thirds of all members of parliament. And two-thirds two, two thirds of okay. all members of parliament. We're going to do some quick mathematics here. So we have uh, 275 members of parliament. I'm sure um, Eno can start. Yes, I'm math. just saying, so we have yes. 275 MPs. Divide that by three, you have 91.6 MPs. And multiply that by two, and uh, you have um, 183 MPs. The NDC currently has 137. 137. So if, you, if you subtract uh, 137 from that figure, the NDC would need 46 of the NPP MPs to vote with it to succeed in removing the Minister for Health. Meanwhile, in presenting the petition, they don't need two-thirds. They need no, one, they don't. one-third. They, they, they need one-third to do so that. So they, they, they and, have and, more and than that, the number. That is satisfied. Yeah, 137 people okay. signed that particular um, uh, uh, memorandum. Okay, so continue. Uh, <clears throat> so if you go to <clears throat> clause 2, it says that the motion for the resolution referred to in clause 1 of this article shall not be moved in Parliament unless A, seven days notice has been given of the motion and B, the notice for the motion has been signed by not less than one-third of all members of Parliament. So I think the one-third part is what you have just explained. And then, so by the time... No, the one-third is... The list signing. that you have, yes, that's the 137 signed. members signing yes. it. And that is what you have explained. No, I've now, explained the two-third, which is the number required for removing the minister. And then the, the A talks about the time that must pass between the, the time the motion is admitted and the time it is um, debated upon. Now, Clause 3 talks about the debate. It says that that debate must happen within 14 days after the receipt of the speaker of the notice for the motion. So what we are dealing with now is the notice. Mm -hmm. okay? Which has been sent to the speaker. Which has been sent to the speaker. So if the speaker admits it, we are told how many days? 14. Before? before within 14 days, okay. it shall be debated. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then uh, the clause 4, 5, then talk about the, the what it means, what the censure means for a, a minister. So it says that four says that the Minister of State in respect of whom a vote of censure is debated under clause three of this article is entitled during the debate to be heard in his defence. And then the five says that where a vote of censure is passed against a minister under the article, the president may, unless the minister resigns his office, revoke his appointment as a minister. So if it succeeds, then there are two things. Either he goes ahead to resign on his own or the president then may have to take a decision on whether or not to um, terminate him. I see. Just give us a quick steps again. The steps that have to be gone through according to the constitution on this process uh, that has been begun has uh, has been begun. That's correct, I believe, by the minority side. 
So that takes us straight to uh, Clause 2 of Article 82. It says that a motion for the resolution referred to in Clause 1 shall not be moved in Parliament unless a seven days notice has been given of the motion. And B, the notice for the motion has been signed by not less than one-third of all the members of Parliament. And Clause 3 says that the motion shall be debated in Parliament within 14 days after the receipt by the Speaker of the notice for the motion. Okay, let's speak to um, a, a legal brain and also a member of the minority side in Parliament. Mama Ayaga represents the people of um, Boku Central. His name is on that list of 137 MPs. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. You, you want the minister removed. The question that would come up is, was there any financial loss cost? Uh, I think the, um, the ground stated in the five-point uh, issue that the minority raised relate to breaches of the law and the constitution and conduct that clearly um, should not be engaged in by a minister. And those are clear enough. I mean, payment uh, was affected. I think two eight was was paid. I, I I'm told that subsequently of of that sort. But the position is that payment was indeed affected. Uh, uh, and um, if the procurement had gone through the state was going to lose the margin between uh, what was publicly advertised as the average cost of um, uh, a dose of Sputnik V uh, relative to the 19 and 18 US dollar uh, per dose that the minister had arranged to uh, procure them. So uh, clearly... Uh, if you look at the report of the committee and what was uh, voted on and uh, accepted as as the findings of the as findings of the committee, uh, there was some wrongdoing, and the minority feels that um, as a country we've gotten to a point where we must begin to learn how to crack the whip and not just sweep matters under the carpet. That's why, following the findings of the committee. The minority has taken the next step, which is to initiate a vote of censure. It doesn't have to be that, you know, money was lost. There was clearly money that was lost but was refunded, according to uh, what we hear. And and still, there was wrongdoing. Okay, so it is not necessarily because money has been lost. You just want the law to be enforced. We believe that this country has gotten to a point where we must use the constitutional processes to hold public officers accountable and especially ministers uh, accountable. And uh, we believe that this would strengthen uh, our governance and uh, improve public confidence in our democracy and our governance, that the institutions are functioning and people are being held accountable by the standards of our constitution and our laws. And so this is something that we as a minority are convinced about and want to initiate it. Uh, we need two-thirds of the, the House to be able to 
succeed. And uh, that is about 184 members of uh, parliament voting to support the, the vote of censure. Uh, this will require that some members of the majority join to vote, uh, calling for the vote of censure. Um, we will put our institution to a test and uh, examine the, the, the values and position of the majority side in this matter. Because this morning when we were voting on the, the report of the committee, I did not see um, any opposition from the majority side. There was no vote against the adoption of the report of the, the committee. Uh, if we go to the next step of calling for a vote of censure, we don't know where their votes will go, but our side has given a clear indication that we would vote for uh, the minister to be censured. Did you begin the process today because the committee's report was adopted only today? Because uh, we knew about the committee's report as way back as August last year. If you are starting this process now, it's, it, it would seem as if you are aggrieved by some other things in the House of Parliament and you are planning to use this to punish the majority side. No, not really. I think that as far back as when this matter came up, you you recall that it was the minority that pushed for a committee to be set up to investigate the procurement issues surrounding the Sputnik V and the conduct of the minister. I mean, the minority already had issues with this minister regarding the procurement of um, Frontiers uh, services at the airport to provide... Uh, 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 COVID testing for uh, people coming to the country. You know, uh, people are having to pay $150 and Ghanaians are paying $50 when they are coming to the country and they have to be tested. And there were major issues concerning how they were um, certified to carry out that uh, exercise and how they were procured to carry out that exercise. And indeed, it was a major issue when it came to the approval of that minister uh, by the appointments committee. But, you know, he managed to get through that. And then, you know, during his tenure, the issue of the Sputnik V came up. The minority demanded a probe. Uh, and then the committee was set up. Uh, the work of the committee dragged for a while. Even when the report was ready, it's taken a very long time for the minority to push for the matter to be put to a vote. And today, uh, the vote was taken and the report adopted. Now, to have to have initiated the process of calling for a vote of censure before the committee's report was adopted would have been jumping the gun. So this was a strategic moment to actually initiate uh, a process of calling for a vote to censure the minister. And so... It really has nothing to do with, you know, recent issues that the minority may have in the House with anybody. I think it's just a natural thing that uh, to really call for somebody to be censured, you have to wait 
since you have already set up a committee to investigate the conduct of that person, you have to wait for the report of the committee. And uh, the report was written long ago, but you have to wait for the House to adopt that report before it then becomes an official base to, to take action. So that's why it has been initiated now, because the report has been adopted by, by Parliament. I just did the calculation here, and you would need at least 46 NPP NPs to vote with you. Are you sure you can get that much, considering that you I lost a number vote, of votes in the House, uh, especially when it came to approving minister nominees? At the time that you were very angry and even were in the Supreme Court, you still lost that vote when you actually believe and your party supporters believed you were going to be able to succeed. Uh, you are 46 MPs short. How are you going to come up with that? Well, I mean, uh, it's always a gamble when you put a matter to a vote, and especially when the vote is going to be secret ballot. So in this instance, the vote is going to be a secret ballot. So it could go either way. The minister can get away, convince people to vote uh, against the, the motion for the vote of censure. Uh, it could also be that um, people may be persuaded, you know, looking at the uh, findings of the committee and the report that was adopted that they share a sentiment that the minister should be censured. So it's a test. I believe that I've been in Parliament for quite a while. I I don't recall us uh, moving a motion for a vote of censure against any particular minister. So this might be a first in which I am involved. And um, we want to see how it goes. Whichever way it goes, I think that the process may serve as a wake-up call to every minister that this tool still exists in our constitution and can be used to embarrass the minister who uh, doesn't measure up to the standards expected of him or her by parliament and by the generality of Ghanaian. How soon should we expect the full-blown debate in the House which would culminate in a vote? That would depend on the speaker because uh, the motion has to be uh, accepted by him. And then um, once uh, it is accepted, the time frame is quite uh, uh, strict. It's a seven days notice at the given of the motion. And uh, uh, once seven days notice is given, and then the speaker uh, takes uh, it Parliament shall within 40, 14 days after the receipt by the Speaker of the notice of the motion, you know, have the debate take place. So if we give seven days notice and then the Speaker accepts it, then another 14 days we can have the time being due for a debate to, to take place. Very well. Thank you so much. That's uh, Mahama Yarga, his Boko Central Member of Parliament and uh, member of the NDC side in Parliament, speaking to us there on that process. They've begun to pass a vote of censure against the Minister for Health, Kweku Ajiman Menu. Uh, this is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let's hear now from uh, Deputy Majority Leader Alexander Fenyo. Markings who has been speaking on this issue. This outstanding report, which 
was moved on the 6th of August 2021 by my good self. And uh, I'm referring to the Sputnik report, which was debated. And for some reason, we couldn't reach consensus on adopting the report. We are happy that today our colleagues on the other side have agreed with us that we need to move on as a country and that the report by itself because it was on consensus we need to move on so today we again as a plenary have adopted the Sputnik report you know as a house by consensus and I think that is good for our country to me the bottom line is through our work as a committee we're able to hold the feet of the ministry to the fire and no financial loss was occasioned to me to the extent that through our work certain correspondence between the ministry and Sheikh Al Maktoum resulted in the refund of certain amount paid for which payment no vaccines had been received it's enough for us to celebrate as a country that parliament when it's assertive and parliament when it's working together in a bipartisan way we can achieve results so we are happy that finally finally we have dealt with this issue of sputnik v well we are hearing that um, some attempts are being made to also uh, bring a motion of censor against the minister. We're hearing that. Well, we will be surprised to see that happening on the floor of the house because it will amount to a serious bad faith being mounted. But that notwithstanding, we, we wait to see. But the bottom line is that we have approved the report at the plenary by consensus just as the committee itself arrived at its findings and recommendations by consensus. That's Alexander Penyomaki. He's a Futu member of parliament and deputy majority leader in the House of Parliament. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We'll be back with more. Please stay with us. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're not with the motion? Yes. So, but are you perturbed? Do you feel um, it could be? Yes. Perturbed of what? What is my crime? That is why I said I don't want to talk to any journalist now. I will get too emotional over unnecessary bickerings and arguments. There was a committee. The committee's report has been adopted by the chamber, and I want to end there. Please. That is Doma, Central Member of Parliament, who is Minister for Health, Kukwajima Menu, speaking there to Joy FM's Parker Wilson. It has to do with that censure motion, that or process that has been begun by the minority side in parliament seeking to remove him as minister over the botched and controversial Sputnik V uh, deal. Alexander Penyomakin is deputy majority leader in the House of Parliament and MP for Ifutu. He joins us on the line. Honorable, honorable you're welcome to Eyewitness News. You chaired that committee that probed this Sputnik V 
issue. Your report was presented today. Were you surprised that the minority pulled this one on the floor today with a motion? You can eat your cake and have it. You have approved the report by consensus. We all agreed on the main issue, which is the refund. The refund was even affected before we moved the motion last year, August. So they are perhaps doing their usual uh, partisan uh, uh, political point scoring uh, by this uh, sudden attempt at censoring. I mean, do they even have the two tests? I mean, if it's a matter of they're trying to personalize the matter that somebody doesn't like Ajime Menu and wants to go after him, they should make it clear. Because we should do politics with principle. We should do politics with principle. What is the issue? We did a report, and all the issues were aligned. People are calling for censure. What is your basis? They have to be fair. They've been in government before. And I expect them reasonably to act in good faith. But this new attack on the minister, I think is another personal attack, and nothing more, with the greatest respect. Did your committee agree, Adidem, that there should be no process subsequent to what was presented today, i.e., did you all sign on to say after we present this report, which has also recommended that the money be refunded, we should not prosecute or challenge anybody uh, to come and explain why they broke the law? You see, a committee was tasked to do a work. We finished our work. We brought it to plenary. We had a debate on it. The way Parliament works, a committee doesn't work, it comes to plenary. Plenary did not amend the report. The report was accepted. So as far as I'm concerned, we have to deal with the recommendations in the report and the findings thereof. If you now do you turn to attack the minister, what is the basis of the attack? Is it an attack, though? It, the, 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 the majority, the minority well, side I, has said... I see, I, see, I see it as an attack. That they are I asking that the law... As an attack. I just spoke to Muhammad Yarga, he's a lawyer, and he says that what they are seeking to do is to make sure institutions work and the constitution is respected. So which of the institutions did not work in this matter? They should tell us. Pin them, pin them to the issues. We do know that the, PP, the, the, the PPA did not give prior approval to this. That's one institution. And okay, we also so know that Parliament, that. Parliament yeah, as yeah, an institution... Let me just land. Let me just land. The Parliament yeah. as an institution yeah. did not approve this, which was supposed to happen before the, the deal was uh, entered into. Are these not significant breaches that ought to be tested in law? And if these breaches were found... Uh, to have been, um, well, if these act actions have been found to have been a breach of the law, should that law not be tested? Okay, so let me take them one after the other. First on the PPA. The minister, or for that matter, the ministry did not breach the PPA law. It must be made clear. And when you look at our report, we made it clear. The law allows for a decision taking and referral made to the PPA for ratification is there in the law. You and I need not emphasize the meaning of ratification. So anybody trying to argue on breaches of the PPA law has lost it as an issue. Let's deal with that one. Two, 
on the issue of the uh, Article 181. We are dealing with two contracts here. The SL Global, of course, the Ghanaian company. So that one, no issue with it. But the issue is with the Alma too. The minister, in his submission, contended that, look, at the time there were high death rates, every Ghanaian's concern was how we could get vaccines. He had earlier told the health committee that they were relying on bilateral sources. However, these bilateral sources had come out categorically to say that they could not supply and they had deferred the supply to death. So the bilateral sources, including COVAX, all the country because of the Indian situation, because the COVID situation had escalated in India. So they could not supply us. And don't forget that under the bilateral agreement, we were getting it around $9, 10 Now he had to take a step. As part of his effort, when these companies made representation that they had capacity to supply, whilst engaging them, he contemporaneously wrote to the Minister of Justice and Attorney General. Now, the NDC is creating the impression that it was only when it got to the committee hearing that the minister then wrote to the attorney general. That is factually inaccurate. They know it. The minister wrote to the attorney general, and the attorney general responded, and the minister had indicated on oath that he was at the time preparing a memo to add to the attorney general's advice for parliament. When all of these came up, we as a committee said, look, that notwithstanding, in future, your health committee must be thoroughly engaged. Yes, it is urgent. You acted to save lives. Ghanaian lives were at stake. We needed to get vaccines urgently to save lives. And that is the emphasis. It was not business as usual, but you should still have space for your parliamentary select committee. That we were adding them on it. But my point is that it would be unconscionable for the minority to suddenly argue that there must be a censure against the minister. That, I think, is an attempt to be overly partisan to attack the integrity of the minister. And that is unfair. He's a colleague, and we have to argue on facts, and we should look at the national interest. Our primary concern was how to get the refund made for the unsupplied doses because... An LC was established, a deferred instrument. It could only be cashed on when the, the delivery had been made. But there was a commitment on the, on the down payment. So we asked that they supplied you some. And these supplies were used. The statistical uh, services, those who were doing the, 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 the population census, they used it. Some health professionals. They evidently needed it, and they also used the vaccine for certain critical uh, uh, category of people in the public service. All of these facts were made known to us, and we said, yes, you saved lives, but then we stand it. Our key concern is possible financial loss to the state. The minister then showed us correspondence. One of it indicated that perhaps the Al-Matum guy had rep even repudiated the contract. And we said, what would you do under the circumstances? He said, they are engaging. 
they gave us another evidence where Al-Maktoum expressly indicated that what, as a result of their inability to supply the remaining doses, they are willing to re return those payments forthwith, which was done before we even concluded our report. Okay. And committee members had evidence of this. But to me. But my question uh, is... Excuse me. Excuse me. With the Go ahead. Let, let me laugh. You come up next. My, my point is, to the extent that our main concern was a refund of all payment made, for which payment no supply had been made, had been so affected, closure of the matter becomes the ultimate result. And that is why today, you realize that the minority had an earlier position that we should vary the report. Ask Honorable Muntaka, go back to his debate. He was saying that the report should be amended. They were saying that the report should be rejected and that the minister should be censored and that there should be some other consequences. They abandoned those arguments, asked them to argue on those lines. Why did they abandon those arguments? Because they realized that the facts do not support those arguments. Okay. So by consensus, how do you approve a report by consensus? Which report gives out the recommendation? Then just out of the blue, you turn around and you say that you are going to move a motion of censor. Okay. And even before the speaker could admit it, you are all over in the media trying to embarrass your colleagues, knowing that you don't even have the two texts. My what are you trying to do? That's unfair. My question still stands. Did the minority side on your committee sign an undertaking saying they will not proceed further beyond what was contained in the report? I.e., did they sign an undertaking saying they will not uh, move for a motion of censure against the minister? Omaru, if you have paid due regard to parliamentary practice, we work on two, we do a two-stage work. First at committee, second at plenary. You cannot agree on a matter at the committee and resolve suddenly. You must have cause. You must have reason. Now, we agreed on certain actions to be taken. We made recommendations in our committee report. At the plenary, they did not have any cause to amend the report. And I want you to emphasize that to the Ghanaian public. It means the minority can do all their politics. But if you want to do a principled political argument, you should, you should mount them on fact. You did not amend the report. During the heated debate in August, the argument was that the report be amended and be rejected. I am saying that this morning, we all agreed to take the report the way it is. Okay. So it is on their, it's, it's the ball is in their court. You are acting in bad faith. You feel betrayed, don't you? And what can you do to prevent it from even seeing the day uh, or seeing the light of day in the chamber, or that is out of your hands now. You just have to wait and debate it when in, uh, when the I've speaker adopts it. I've already said, I've already said that this is a journey full of much ado about nothing because first, Mr. Speaker has not even admitted their motion. You file a motion without waiting for Mr. Speaker to admit it. You go public and start acting okay. Yeah, my question is whether you, you can you can arrest the present the admission of this motion by the speaker, or you would be left with no choice no, and to wait to see what the speaker does. Act, with respect, first, 
they have to cross the admissibility test. And even so, the next stage is the, the numbers. Do they have the two tests? Do they have two tests? They will need to 46 of your motion? they will need 46 of your colleagues, but since they have a history of defeating you at elections for a speaker, they may well be standing on a stone while pretending or, or threatening to stone you. They, what what defeat? They defeated us on what? On the election of a speaker. Do you have the numbers, please? I mean, let's let's be fair. Yes, the numbers you as have, the, the numbers no, as were well, announced. announced. Yes, the, you, the numbers you, were announced you, by the no honourable. We we all we, no, but I'm, unless you, unless you don't respect the words of the speaker Abambagmin, I recall vividly on the first session or the first day you had your meeting after swearing in the president he quoted specific figures as being votes that he obtained against what professor okwe quoted unless you're saying that we should not regard that that statement of the speaker Omaru, you know that one thing that i cherish about ctfs is how you respect facts so please please before you fall into that trap Go back to Hansard. In Parliament, we deal with Hansard and vote of proceedings. The official Please, please, go back to Hansard of 7th January and point to me the vote obtained by both candidates. There's nothing like that. Go back to the words of the clerk to Parliament. So no longer go into an issue of there was a vote and MP, NDC defeated MPP and all that. Those, those matters that you want to raise are not factual. If somebody has said something... Honorable, honorable, I, I, I have given you my source, and my source is no mean a person than the speaker yes, of your own house. But my question, this, this is not really the debate we are having. The debate, the question is whether or not you can prevent your persons or your MPs from voting in case it comes to a secret ballot against the Minister of Health, are you assured that all your I, I, 138 I, I, MPs I, 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 would be I, 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 on your side? Don't, don't, don't put that uh, question to me. The issue is they are doing their politics, and I'm saying they don't have what it takes to cross the line. In any event, that motion has not even been admitted. So why are they in a hurry? Very the well. motion has not been admitted. You must first meet the admissibility test. Have they met it? Has it been admitted? Is it the case that they want to push Mr. Speaker to a tight corner? Is it the case that they want to pitch Mr. Speaker against the public? Very well. If Mr. Speaker dismisses the motion, they will come and say that, oh, Mr. Speaker did not admit their motion and all that. Let's leave it here, Honorable. Let's leave it here. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank That's you so much. Deputy Majority Leader Alexander Fenio Markins. Let's remain in the House of Parliament. The communication um, committee member from the NDC side has issue with Ethel Tigo. Um, please tell us more. So the deputy ranking member on the communications committee of parliament, Sam Nate George, says the minority will hold government to account in relation to the takeover of Airtel Tigo. According to him, his side will not renege on its duty to scrutinize the deal to ensure that it is in the public interest. Sector Minister Ursula Ousu Ekofol indicated that all requirements concerning the deal in parliament will be presented to the House before the end of this meeting. Last year, Airtel Tigo packed up shop from the country, giving government the first right of acquisition. Sam George spoke to City News on the matter. Going to enter into an agreement with an international company, Article 1815 is clear. 
that you would need to get Parliament's approval. And so the question we must ask ourselves is, as was reported in the Daily Graphic, and the Minister did not dispute that, um, I, I, I made the point. Bati Airtel, who owns Airtel Tigo, as far as they are concerned, have announced in India, on the Indian Stock Exchange, not in the newspaper, on the Stock Exchange, to their shareholders, that they have sold Airtel Tigo. So if here in Ghana, we are still holding on that we have not completely bought it. The person selling says, I've sold to you. They can only make such a claim on the basis of whatever documentation they have signed. The CEO of Airtel Tigo that was appointed by Bharti Airtel has left the company. The new CEO is one appointed by government. So if anybody says that the transaction has not been completed, how do you appoint a new CEO if you've not taken over the assets? Sam Nate George is the deputy ranking member on the Communications Committee of Parliament. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettie Linette. Let's settle for the details. The Ghana Revenue Authority has revealed plans to begin taxing electronic commerce and online businesses beginning April 1, 2022. According to the Commissioner of the Authority, Reverend Amisha Dai Ousuamwa, a special purpose software has been designed to monitor online businesses and tax them accordingly. He also noted that the same software will be used to monitor and tax online gaming and betting activities. The Commissioner of the Authority, Reverend Owusu Amwa, revealed this at the Authority's 2022 management retreat in Hull. Here people say that do e-commerce instead of e-levy. Do this one instead of that. The question I ask myself, why the instead of? I rather expect them to say in addition to. Because even if we get to the 16.5% of GDP, we are still not at our highest possible yet. And if we are able to do the other things, we'd rather be able to lessen maybe the burden of some other people who today maybe are better into, um, uh, taking a lot of burden. And we are not ignorant of those opportunities. So I must say that the e-commerce tax is being worked on. And actually, as at last week, I sat in a presentation of the software and how it will work and a demonstration of it. And we are confident that by 1st April, the transition of e-commerce will begin. That was the Commissioner of the Ghana Revenue Authority, Reverend Amisha Dai Owusu Amar. The World Bank says it will ensure that countries that want to access facilities from it from 2023 show commitment in tackling climate change as well as compliance with the Paris Agreement. According to the World Bank Country Director for Ghana, Liberia and Sierra Leone, Pierre Lepore, this is part of his outfit's efforts at investing heavily in green projects to help countries fully integrate their climate and development goals. The remarks were made during the official launch of the Ghana Landscape Restoration and Small-Scale Mining Project, which seeks to formalize the artisanal and small-scale mining sector and build the capacity of institutions to manage ESM operations. Notably, the project aims to build capacities of agricultural communities and artisanal miners to become change agents and community leaders, promoting sustainable and diversified rural livelihoods.
the approach, as we know, as we all know, allows uh, communities to take a holistic view of livelihood diversification and landscape conservation, as well as productive functions. As part of this new climate change action plan announced in April 2021, the World Bank has committed to further increase its climate financing. By 2023, all financing provided by the World Bank will be compliant with the Paris Agreement. The Climate Change Action Plan illustrates the World Bank's commitment to supporting programs that have resilient and green growth at the forefront, including such programs in Ghana. That was the World Bank Country Director for Ghana, Liberia and Sierra Leone, Pierre Laporte. Transport operators say fares will have to go up by at least 20% in order for them to stay afloat amid a constant hike in fuel prices. Fuel prices are expected to go up by some 30 pesos in the coming days, according to the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers Ghana COPEC. Fuel prices have gone up by about two Ghana cities since the start of the year, and conversations are ongoing of a likely increase in transport fares soon. Chairman of the Committed Drivers Union, Charles Danso, says the increase in fares has become necessary to sustain the operations. In fact, we, the transport operators, or the coalition, has proposed of uh, not less than 20%. Uh, so I think 20% will do, and all Ghanaians can afford it because of how the fuel is galloping. So, in fact, that's what we are aiming to bring now. Uh, you know, uh, there are so many components in the, in uh, which we use in our operations. Looking at uh, fuel price, spare parts, and even the price of the cars that we used to buy for the job, and then uh, oil. So many items have been uh, put in place to get to that percentage. That was the chairman of the Committed Drivers Union, Charles Danso. The year-on-year producer price inflation PPI for all industry for the first month of 2022 has risen to 15.6%, up from the 14.7% recorded in December 2021. The rate represents a 0.9 percentage points increase in the average price of goods and services received by domestic producers in the country for their production activities relative to the rates recorded in December last year. Here's the government statistician, Professor Samolinim, explaining what accounted for the increase. In January 2022, producer price inflation stood at 15.6% relative to 14.7% that was recorded for the month of December 2021. This indicates a 0.9 percentage difference between the producer price inflation that was recorded for the month of December 2021 relative to January 2022. On a month-on-month basis, that is between December 2021 and January 2022, prices of goods and services from the producer's perspective rose by 4.0%. This literally means that on a year-on-year basis, between January 2021 and January 2022, prices of goods and services from the producer's perspective went up by 15.6%, and on a month-on-month basis, that is between December 2021 and January 2022, prices of goods and services from the producer's perspective also did rise by 4.0%. From a subsector perspective, that is on a year-on-year basis, 
producer price inflation for the manufacturing subsector was 22.9 for the month of January 2022. And this was distantly followed by the mining and quarrying subsector 2.2% and the utility subsector 0.3%. On a month-on-month -month basis from a subsector perspective, the manufacturing subsector again led by 5.3%, followed by mining and quarrying 2.2% and utility subsector 0.1%, all for the month of January 2022. That was the government statistician, Professor Samuel Kobina Inim. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was brought to you by Vodafone and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettie Ninete. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. It's 23 minutes to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank... There is some tension between Francis Xavier Susu on the one side. He's member of parliament for Medina and a lawyer, human rights lawyer. So he's on the one side. And then there is a Ghana Bar Association and the Association of Magistrates and Judges of Ghana on the one side. Let me take you to citynewsroom.com. Judges to drag Sosu to General Legal Council over quote-unquote political judges' comment. Story by Helen Grace says, The Association of Magistrates and Judges of Ghana has served notice of its intention of lodging a formal complaint against a private legal practitioner, Francis Xavier Sosu, at the General Legal Council over some comments he made against the country's judiciary. Xavier Sosu had in an earlier interview accused some, accused some judges of taking entrenched political positions in the discharge of their duties. Quote, if you make yourself a political judge, you will be treated politically and your tenure of office will run with the political party that, follow you, that you follow. Unquote. According to the Association of Magistrates, the remark by the legislator who doubles as a legal practitioner is reckless and must be condemned. Quote, 
The association finds this statement of Honorable Susu against judges as unfortunate, reckless, and misguided, coming as it is a form, coming as it is form from a member of parliament and a lawyer who should know better. Unquote. The association further said it would petition the Ghana Legal Council over the issue. That's one story on citynewsroom.com. Now, if you go further, there are other stories. Uh, this one is on citynewsroom.com. So it says Francis Xavier Susu's response to GBA over political comments. Now, the GBA here is a Ghana Bar Association. Uh, this story on citynewsroom.com says, I make reference to your press release dated the 14th day of February 2022 on the above subject. It is a wonder to know that the Ghana Bar Association still exists in this country following your loud silence on critical matters of national concern which relate to the bar, legal education, mistreatment of lawyers, lack of welfare for lawyers, human rights abuses, press freedom and justice delivery among others in Ghana. I reject the allegation of being unprofessional and irresponsible and reiterate that GBA is, a rather, is rather a monumental failure to our democracy and I take strong exceptions to the statement of the leadership of the GBA. A casual look at the objects of the GBA constitution in part 1, section 2, clearly shows that the GBA has lost its focus and relevance long ago. Let me remind the GBA leadership that it has a duty to ensure, quote and unquote, the maintenance of the independence of the judiciary. How can you achieve this object if judges allow themselves to be influenced politically? For the rest of the object, I beg to leave it here, else we wash our dirty linen in public. Needless to say, let me be clear that I stand by my statement any day, any time. The statement was a conditional statement and no amount of twists and turns will extricate judicial officers and judges who would allow themselves to become agents of political partisan agenda. Very respectfully, the leadership of the GBA have sought to create a false impression by their misguided release asserting that judges would lose their jobs when the party that appointed them loses power. This rather reflects the leadership's misunderstanding of the statements I made. My statement was clear, quote, If you are a political judge, you will be dealt with politically. Judges owe a duty to the constitution of the Republic of Ghana and the laws of Ghana. If a judge allows him or himself to become an agent of a political party, the tenor of the said judge will run with the political parties they favor, unquote. This statement must be the reality of every Ghanaian who believes in the rule of law and fidelity to the coat of arm in the 1992 constitution and the judicial oath taken by judges. So that's a summary of what Francis Xavier Sosu has said. Uh, that story is on citynewsroom.com. Now, there are lots of people who are not really happy. Uh, the Ghana uh, Association of Magistrates and Judges on the one side and the Ghana Bar Association. Let's speak to Xavier Kuji. He's the PRO of the Ghana Bar Association. Mr. Kuji, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, looking at the comments made by Sosu, a member of your bar or association, his first uh, comment was, quote-unquote, an attack on judges. Why did, was a GBA the first to jump to the defense of judges when he was referring to judges and not lawyers? Thank you, my brother, for the opportunity and good evening to your cherished listeners. Let me make it clear. The statement may have been made about judges, but it was made by a lawyer who is a member in good standing. 
a lawyer who is a member of the Ghana Bar Association. We, this, our statement sought to correct what was said by one of our own, a member of the GBA. Let me draw this analogy. Are you saying that if you have a child of your household is behaving or insulting your neighbor because your neighbor may have a remedy against your child, you will not correct your child? They are not a good parent. Let this get this clear. We are not defending judges. We are saying that what our member said about judges is totally uncalled for. It's unprofessional and reckless. That's what we're saying. And your member Lord is asking, he's actually saying he's shocked to realize that you are still awake. He believes you've been in slumber for forever and you are only waking up because of this singular comment of his when he has listed a litany of issues. So he says that there was issue of legal education. You did not comment. Mistreatment of lawyers. You were asleep. Lack of welfare for lawyers. You had nothing to say about it. Human rights abuses, you were absent. Press freedom, you were on vacation. Justice delivery, among others, you were simply not in town. Why are you all of a sudden returning? That's what he's asking. That, that can never be true. That can never be true. Let me offer of, of lawyers. If he's really an active member of the association, he would have known that at our conference at Adan, we came up with a document about the welfare of lawyers to the extent that it was agreed that when uh, members' dues are paid, 200 cities out of each member's dues is hived off and invested in a welfare fund. And when we started, in a few months, one, the first member who died benefited to the tune of 15,000 Ghana cities. And we are in the process of reviewing it even upward. This should tell you that this is not even a member who thinks about the bar. Secondly, there's been a number of occasions on which we have issued statements. If you take Aya also, for instance, if you take the attack of uh, the court in Kumasi, those times. So it can never be true that we've gone to sleep. Let us be reminded that the times of the 80s are not the same as the times of the 2000s. Now we are in a democratic era. Citizens know how to ventilate their rights from in various circumstances. So lawyers cannot always be speaking on every issue. It can never happen like that because I don't know your name, but should you have an infringement with the law or a brush with the law and you are taken to a police station and your rights are violated, you have hired a lawyer. Why should the GBA speak for you then? Because you have a lawyer, one of us, speaking for you. If a lawyer knows his work and is speaking for you, he knows the remedies you are entitled to. Why should the GBA come and do that? He says that you did not comment for on the issue of legal education. That clearly should bother you, considering that the products of that education would be members of your, your club. Yes, yes. It is not everything that you have to come out with. If you care to know, the bills that went into, the contributions that went into passing bills in respect of all that, we have been part of it. We may not be public on so many issues, but if you check well, we realize that we've been part of it because, of course, the end products are our members. So we should be interested. That is why even the GLC, we have representation there. Does that so then not justify his comment that uh, you have been silent on a lot of things, but for this singular issue of his, which he believes is a non-issue, you're already up with guns blazing. You see it as a non-issue. If a lawyer... Mr. Sosu, I'm told, is being called, was called to the bar in 2010. 
10, which means that he's done a little over 10 years. And in practical terms, he will be described as a senior lawyer. Who knows that, according to his own statement, he is not unaware of the provisions on, of the Constitution on the appointment and tenure of judges. Yet you went ahead creating an impression that, or making a categorical statement that, judges who are political judges, according to you, will be fished out and their tenure will run with the regime that appointed them. Knowing very well that there are only two grounds on which you can remove a judge. First, according to Article 146, first, either the judge is incompetent, second, the judge is, or you have misstated, uh, how do you call it, stated misconduct against the judge. According to his own statement, the allegations he's made amounted to, to stated misconduct on the part of judges. This suggests that he has evidence, and he claims he's speaking the truth as a lawyer. It should trigger the process of the removal of the judges. It is not befitting of a lawyer of his standing to be on a platform that he, he stood on to say what he said. Is he not trying to sanitize the legal system or the judiciary by reminding these judges that you are first of all supposed to be there as a neutral arbiter and that if you happen to be in the blue or green corner, you should be ready to exit when one of those colors are exiting. Is that not a fair... A comment that is aimed at sanitizing the judiciary, which is what he said he's doing. For us, for us, by his own statement, that is not a proper way to go about it. Because if you read his statement carefully, he's suggesting he's speaking the truth and he has the evidence. Because once you say you are speaking the truth, you are suggesting you have evidence. And as a lawyer, if you have evidence against judges, According to you, you even quoted their code of conduct that if they double in politics or allegedly do that, it amounts to uh, stated misbehavior. Then go under Article 146 and trigger the process. You don't go on a platform as you did because you would then be misinforming and misinterpreting the public because it's not everybody who will read serious meaning into what you have said. So what we're saying is that a lawyer of his caliber should not be misinforming and miseducating the public. That is all we are saying. Okay, tell me it how... It should not be coming from him. It should be coming from somebody else. Tell me what or how he wronged your code of ethics or your rules as, as a lawyer by the comments he made. Yes. If you, if you read Rule 52 of, of our professional conduct etiquette rules, it is clear. Once you make a statement that you know is false. You have you, you you have misconducted yourself. That is why we quoted in our statement. We didn't just issue a statement. We made reference to that particular rule. He describes that as a lame attempt by your association's leadership to prepare, to prepare a ground to construe his statement as a professional misconduct. He says that, quote, my statement as a whole did not violate Rule 52 and can never be said to be irresponsible and unethical. Since when did speaking truth to power become unethical and irresponsible? So I am I have been vindicated. He said he's speaking the truth. So I will reiterate that once he's speaking the truth and the allegations still stand, then he should trigger the process under the Constitution to remove the judges. Because, look, we are all for the betterment of Ghana. I am a practitioner. I wouldn't be comfortable if I, I take my matters to court and I know that I am not heard properly. And once he is taking the, leading the charge and he has the evidence as he's suggesting, he should trigger the process. That is all we're saying. Look, Sosu cannot say that what he has said does not amount to misconduct. Now that he's alleging he has evidence, 
the law is there. He's a lawyer. As I said in the sister radio station yesterday, he's not a farmer or a carpenter somewhere. He's a lawyer. He should trigger the process under Article 146 to remove the judges because he claims he's the conscience of society. He should put that for all of us because he has the evidence. I cannot do it. The GDA cannot do it because we don't have the evidence. Okay. You understand? What can you do against him? The name if... of the game is evidence. Okay. Even if you go to court, it's not necessarily about the truth. If the truth happens to coincide with the evidence, good for you. But the name of the game has always been evidence. All right. Tell me what uh, you're going to do as an association, considering that you believe he has breached some portions or aspects of your rules. Well, we leave that for our consideration. But the good thing is that the very people he has publicly attacked have also issued a statement. They have even stated they have lodged a complaint against him before the General Legal Council. In our part, on our part, we'll consider what to do. So you are going to uh, join forces with the Association of Magistrates to prosecute one of your own I, instead of giving him, instead of supporting I him. I, did, I didn't say that. We have issued our statement already, saying that he is one of our own. The way he's gone is wrong. If I say there is something else for us to do, of course that means that we're going to educate our members more to be mindful of what they say about the law in public, because. They are those deemed to know the law. In fact, they are the only people who are learned as far as the law is concerned. If you read our statement carefully, we even, I believe that paragraph, the last paragraph or so, we said lawyers should make efforts to speak the true position of the law on all matters. So this is the same thing we're going to retreat to all members that as far as the law is concerned, you are held in high esteem as far as knowledge of the law is concerned. So make sure you always come out clear on the law. If Mr. Sosu is telling us that he was aware and still aware of the provisions of the Constitution, how then did he make this reckless statement? Is the GBA going to trigger an internal disciplinary process against Francis Sosu? I cannot answer that question. Do you have a disciplinary committee of the GBA? Excuse me? Do you have a disciplinary committee or disciplinary wing of the GBA? No, we don't. If any member of your association breaks any of your rules, are they just told we, in the public are, domain or they are invited formally and um, and tried? We, we are regulated by the General Legal Council. What practically happens is that some people may bring complaints to executives of the bar. The executives of the bar would then call a lawyer to speak to him. If he listens, it ends there. Most of the cases that end up at the General Legal Council first come to the executives of the bar informally. But lawyers do not listen most. They don't take those cautions seriously. Then it gets to the legal, General Legal Council. Even the General Legal Council itself, I must say, is very careful as to what to do when it comes to those complaints. What do I say? Is because they always send out notices for you to come and explain. Some do not go at all. Okay. Now, some go as, now that you have do. taken your own, you've taken it out of your own, out of your own to make this statement public in response to him. I was just asking if beyond the public statement by the GBA, you're going to invite him formally and take him through some procedure of a sort, or your association has no. Uh, 
rules that well you've already have stated the rules that he's breached but are you saying that if anyone a member of your association breaches a rule nothing happens to them they are left to go because they'll be given an advice and if they don't listen that would be it no punishment i think i have explained that the rules are applied by the general legal council not by the association no 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 by the association i see so, so your association does not expel members no 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 we don't you because can... we are regulated by the GLC and the Council. I see. Going back yes. to the point where Sosu said your association has been asleep, uh, the past few days, if not weeks, the issue in town has been the one bothering on criminal libel, which was repealed in the early 2000s. Yes. Many people were saying that criminal libel law is being brought back by this government through the back door has the GBA taken notice of that? Has the GBA got a comment on that? I'll answer that question. To my mind, criminal libel law has not been brought back. If a specific law has been repealed, unless it is reenacted, what we didn't do as a society was that we took out just that law and repealed it. There are other laws on our statute books which have the same effect. Which have the same effect, and that is what has happened. Unless and until as a society we come together to clean up all those issues, we still have those issues standing. So nobody can tell me that a law that has been specifically repealed can be applied. It cannot be applied. But if someone is being prosecuted by the police, arrested and prosecuted by the police for uh, what has been considered as um, public comments that are deemed to be free speech, and the GBA has taken judicial notice of that. Should we not hear from you at least, uh, even if you're making proposals for an amendment of that law that is having the police arrest persons who are involved in media commentary being arrested instead of going through the civil procedure and court? Should you not be commenting? No, first and foremost, we never said, I didn't say that we are making proposals for amendment. I'm, ask, I'm asking what? if you would not come up, uh, or the expectation would be that if you believe that it's not criminal libel that we are seeing, which is exactly, in fact, what is not the case, but yes. people believe that what is happening is akin to criminal libel. And I'm yes. saying that since you, as an association, know the law and you know which of the laws would be infringing on human rights, and many would hold the view that these particular cases we are seeing in the court would be an infringement on the fundamental right to free speech and so on, should we not be hearing from you as GBN? And I'm saying that that is possibly what um, Sosui is saying, that you should be speaking on matters like this and asking for whoever ought to be changing that law, repealing that law, uh, should be working. Is that not something you should be doing? Or GBA will not comment on that now? Um, we'll come, I'll, I'll answer that question. I have no evidence that charges prepared against those who have been arrested so far under those laws do not follow the tenor of those laws. I have no evidence on uh, about that. You may have your views about the law, but once the laws remain or are statute books, they are so good laws until they are repealed. Now, it is not only the GBA who can propose or come up with proposal regarding the repeal or revise, uh, uh, the, the <coughs> or <coughs> sorry, can come up with the repeal of those laws, or in other words, Revision of those laws. Somebody is a lawyer who calls himself a human rights lawyer. And he is now alleging that people's rights are being violated as far as our laws go. 
what is he doing himself as a human rights lawyer? I think that he should be the first person because that is his expertise. He says, my expertise is in the domain of human rights. Now, if there's some evidence or some resemblance of infringement of people's rights, as far as our current laws are concerned, I think the first person to bring that up should be him. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us tonight, sir. Thank you so much. That's the um, PRO of the Ghana Bar Association, that's the uh, GBA, speaking to us there. Um, on this issue of uh, Francis Xavier Sosu. His name is Xavier Kuji, and I was speaking there to us. Let's hear now from Justice Henry Kofi of the Court of Appeal. He's the president of the Association of Magistrates and Judges of Ghana. They are also unhappy uh, with Francis Xavier Sosu. The association finds this statement of Honorable Sosu against judges as unfortunate, reckless, and misguided, coming as it is from a member of parliament and a lawyer who should know better. The association considers this statement of Honorable Sosu as deliberate and calculated to create disaffection against the judiciary and an attempt to scandalize the judiciary and judges. And we condemn the same statement in no uncertain terms. Judges do not determine which cases are filed or put before them for hearing. The statement of Honorable Francis Xavier Sosu is an attempt to intimidate judges who are doing nothing other than their normal work. The association takes a serious view of the statement of Honorable Sosu and considers it very unprofessional from a lawyer and an unprovoked attack on the judiciary. Having regard to the seriousness which the AMJG takes this statement and its potential to do undue damage to the image of the judiciary, the association is lodging a formal complaint against Honorable Sosu to the General Legal Council immediately for his unprofessional statement of utterances which have the potential to tarnish the image of the judiciary as a whole. That's Justice Henry Kofi of the Court of Appeal. He's the president of the Association of Magistrates and Judges of Ghana. My name is Umaru Sandamadu. Production tonight on Eyewitness News was led by Sixtus Don Ulo with support from Zoe Abubedu Ado, Bevelin London and uh, Anas Sedu. The technical support from Daniel Squashi. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Good night. Citizen News, we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.